Hi everybody, Happy New Year. It's Laura. Um, today I am going to introduce you to our new neurointensivist. Her name is Dr. Celine DiMatteo and she is going to introduce herself and a little bit about um, what she's going to be bringing to us in the ICU. Hi everyone, my name is Celine. I am a neurointensivist, meaning I'm a neurologist that specializes in critical care. I am so excited to be joining the team here and be a resource for all of you. Um, please feel free to reach out to me with any questions you might have about neuro-related issues, whether it be stroke, post-surgical uh, patients, um, even if it's uh, a simple question about an assessment. Um, so with the help of your fabulous nursing educators, I will be also giving small lectures on Thursday afternoons at 1.30, and I hope all of you can join me for that. All right, so I wanted to talk a little bit about subdural hematomas because you've been seeing a fair number of them of late, and they are important. Um, so about 10% of patients admitted with mild to moderate head trauma have subdural hematomas, and the percentage is even higher, 20% with severe head injuries. Um, the main things to, to know about a subdural basically is that it is blood that's tracking underneath the dura and often is a crescent shape because it follows the pattern of the dura. So you'll see that on, on the CAT scan. Patients can present with a wide array of neurologic deficits. Some people just come in with headache and some people can actually come in with coma depending on how much, how much pressure is on the brain and how large the subdural is. Um, the important thing to know is when do these patients actually need surgery and what types of surgery that might be. So it's important to understand that the approach is different depending on if the subdural is old or if it's new. So when we talk about acute subdurals, that is going to be a subdural that's happened in the last 72 hours. And a chronic one is going to be one that's out three weeks or longer from, from injury. And the subacute phase is in between. Depending on when the patient presents, their management's gonna be different. So if a patient comes in with severe neurologic deficits with an acute or a brain new subdural, they're typically gonna need to go to the emergency room for a craniotomy. Um, they will add, the surgeon will actually remove the bone, remove the hemorrhage, irrigate, and will leave a subdural drain in. Now a chronic subdural can be managed a little less invasively, um, a smaller surgery, because the, the subdural itself becomes more liquid. And so a chronic subdural patient coming in with neurologic symptoms that are debilitating could undergo a different procedure called a burr hole evacuation. So instead of a large amount of bone being removed, holes are drilled into the, to the skull, the subdural uh, blood is removed and drains are also left in. So, Postoperatively, these folks need uh, critical care monitoring because at any point, the subdural fluid can get larger and cause more brain compression. And also, because of the location of the drains being in a subdural space, um, them being detached can cause significant injury to the surface of the brain as well. So main things to do postoperatively for these folks is to do a thorough neuroassessment post-op to know what their new baseline is and to follow them at least in the first 24 hours with Q1 neurochecks to make sure that there isn't any change. 
um, so that, that we aren't worried about uh, a post-operative complication like expansion of subdural hematoma or seizure um, because subdurals are highly epileptogenic, meaning that the blood being on the surface of the brain is incredibly irritating and can predispose these folks to seizures. So other things that we do in the ICU for these folks is maintaining them on seizure prophylaxis at, for seven days because they are at high risk of seizures. Um, doing the neuro checks as we said, and with any neuro patient, uh, early mobilization is very, very important. The initial management though, for the first couple of hours uh, or half post-op day, we would have the patients relatively flat uh, just to ensure there's adequate drainage and there's no brain sag after surgery. But after that, they're free to work with PT and OT. Another consideration that we often get asked about is when is it safe to start DVT prophylaxis, chemoprophylaxis. Mm -hmm. um, and typically, subdurals, just like all the other neurosurgical patients, post-op day one um, af after surgery, if there's no bleeding complication, no new hemorrhage, uh, it's safe to start even if there is a subdural drain in place. Um, generally, the subdural drains stay in about two days, although that can vary depending on how much is is actually coming out of these drains. Um, so another thing to note for, for all of you is the consistency and the type of fluid that's coming out of these drains. So if it's thick blood, typically these drains should stay in. If you start to see them thinning out, it actually might be CSF and might indicate it's time for the strain to come out. Um, we would typically hold DVT prophylaxis 12 hours before the drain came out. So typically if the patient got their nighttime DVT prophylaxis, they'd be fine to have the drain removed in the morning. So it shouldn't imp impact your, your workflow. All right. Great, thank you, doctor. And we look forward to hearing from you again. Happy to come anytime. Thank you. Thank you.